Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, uh, hopping on here to answer a few mailbag questions before I hit the road to Columbia, South Carolina, to cover Kentucky and South Carolina. That's a seven o'clock tip off tonight. Uh, Kentucky looking to extend their winning streak, uh, continue earning wins, staying in contention there for a one seed. You had a lot of crazy last night in college basketball. Duke loses on a late three-pointer at home against Virginia. That's a quad three loss for Duke. And then Kansas dropped a game on the road at Texas. Those were two teams there going into the night. Lenardi had Kentucky, I think, as the number six overall team on the on the seed line. Duke was five and Kansas was seven. So uh, definitely helped Kentucky's chances at a one seed. And then for a team like Duke, the ACC is so bad. There are no quad one opportunities remaining. I know Duke has two neutral site wins against Kentucky and Gonzaga. Uh, have a road loss to Ohio State. They've got road losses to Florida State and uh, some others. I'll pull up their resume in a moment here. Uh, but no, no quad one opportunities remaining. That's that's how bad the ACC is this season. And then Kentucky obviously has the best win in college basketball, an 18-point win at Allen Fieldhouse that'll go a long way on Selection Sunday. But I'm going to go ahead and let's jump into some mailbag questions. And then I'll uh, – share my thoughts on Kentucky's matchup with the Gamecocks tonight. Uh, I'll get to as many as I can. I've got to keep this probably around 12 to 15 minutes before I hit the road, but I wanted to get something up for you all to listen to. And then I'm pretty sure Derek and I both will be back for a post-game show. I'm going to have Derek try to uh, call me tonight, maybe as soon as the game's over, record something short and get it up there as well. If not, then I will record something short and be sure to post it. Uh, obviously, the news yesterday was John Calipari announced that Shaden Sharp will not play the season, says he is going to work and plans to uh, get get better and get ready to lead the team next season. I know that that leads to a lot of speculation, and some Kentucky fans think that they will, will never see Shaden Sharp in a Kentucky jersey. I, I have no idea how that's going to play out. I'm going to share my thoughts on it, though. I'm sure someone will ask in the mailbag. Let's see here. First question. Actually, let's jump right into it. Benny says, Summer getting the feeling Sharp family turned the tables on Cal by saying he wasn't going to play. Is that what happened? Cal has said all year he would play if he's ready and how he will go score the basketball because that's what he does best. Like I said, I really don't know what the situation was with Shaden. I know that Cal Cal come out initially and, and said he wouldn't play and or you know that, that that wasn't the plan to play him, but then said that if he's ready and all this stuff, get him up to speed. And it, and it kind of felt like a process to where we kept identifying games, right? Like we we mentioned Vandy at Vandy. That seemed too early. Then we mentioned Vandy at Rep Arena. If he didn't play by then, then he probably wasn't going to play at all. My my belief the, the entire time was that we wouldn't see Shaden this year. I know I said on this podcast a couple of times that you need to get him ready, but that was only because you had two games where guards went down and it cost you games. And I just was afraid that that happens in the NCAA tournament then it kind of costs you your season and what your your goals are. But as this team moved along through January and now into February, I think it just got to a point where it was easy for both parties and both sides to say, not this year. And, and even for Cal, like this team is playing so good right now. I mean, they're number two in Ken Palm, and I'll get into that in a moment. They're number five in the AP poll. They're in contention for a one seed. I just think it become easy for for everybody to say, look, it's not best to do it this year. Let's try it next year instead of messing with team chemistry. But then again, you got the consensus number one player in a class on your bench that 
if Kentucky doesn't win the national championship or doesn't get to a Final Four, you're going to have that other side that said, well, the number one player in the country would have made a difference. And I just think that that, that kind of presents a, a different dynamic to it. But the best situation would be Kentucky goes on, gets to a Final Four, competes for a national championship. Let's say they win it. And then Shaden Sharp is on next year's roster to, to lead that team. Uh, not really sure what happened with the family and turn the tables. I, I will say this. It would have been easy for John Calipari to come out and, and put a tweet out a month ago and say, Shaden will not play this year. I know they, they put him in jersey. They, they had him in uh, shorts and a warm-up top and, and everything. The crowd's chanting, we want Shaden, and, and they didn't completely shut it down at any point, which maybe makes me think that Cal at least entertained the idea of playing because uh, I know saying the plan isn't to play, but then coming out and saying, we'll get him up to speed. We'll, we'll run him on some five on five. We'll see how much stuff that he knows that kind of left the door open for. And I think that door was kind of pushed open and left open for about three weeks. And then it was slammed shut yesterday, which makes me wonder if Cal did entertain it. I, I think that that would be the, the case and the idea now was that Cal's decision? Was that the family coming and saying that they, they don't want him to play? Uh, I have no idea on that one. Uh, let's go to Allen's question. I personally think Sharp is true to his word and plays here next season, but let's say he doesn't. Where does Cal go to? Most likely to least likely, likely to replace that scoring ability in 22-23. A reclass, transfer portal for someone similar to Grady, rolls with what we've got. And then uh, – John actually adds getting Frederick back will help replace some shooting we'll lose. I do agree that getting Frederick uh, back from injury will help. Uh, but as far as what they, they do to replace, well, one, you cannot replace a guy like Shaden Sharp. You're talking about a three-level scorer, uh, a dynamic player that ideally the entire roster next season is built around him leading the team. So you don't get exactly that. And, and then again, I don't think you're going high school route reclass to replace that. There's not that guy that's out there right now that can just step in, in my opinion, and do the things that Shaden Sharp does. You're going to have to go get a score in the portal. You, you honestly may have to go get two in the portal to kind of make up what Shaden Sharp would do and what you would lose there. So I think that they would go to the transfer portal for sure because I think it'd have to be an experience piece. Uh, I, I don't think you would go get a guy like Kellen Grady uh, just because I think you need someone that can do it on their own. They, they need a more dynamic player. And uh, certainly, surely there's someone out there in college basketball that, that maybe fits the mold of being able to go get his own, set up others, and go score 15, 17 points a game. I, I have no idea who that guy is right now, and there's no names in the transfer portal at this point, obviously. But uh, I think by April, mid-April, we'll kind of have an idea of exactly what Cal's going to do. But if you lose Sharp, and their scholarships there, I could see them actually going and getting more than one guy uh, in the backcourt to kind of replace that. But the, the perfect scenario would be that Shaden Sharp is definitely on this team next year leading them. Uh, Eddie says, what previous Cal team does this team remind you of, if any? And, and Eddie, I, I thought of this question for about the last 15 minutes before I started recording because early in the year, I think leading into the season, this is before CJ got hurt, I, I kept saying that the pieces reminded me of 2011. Uh, the final 14 with Brandon Knight. But then as the season played out, I don't really think that there's a Cal team that kind of comes to my mind that this one really reminds me of because you, you've got a dominant big and Oscar that is uh, dominant on the glass more than any five that, that we've seen at Kentucky. And you've got guards that 
are kind of different. You've got Ty Ty Washington really good in pick and roll. He's really good off the ball. You know, Xavier Wheeler leading the SEC in assists, getting downhill, getting two feet in the paint. They they don't have that four man of a Terrence Jones, Julius Randle type piece. Uh, those guys would grab a rebound and lead the break and dunk on you. Keon Brooks is more of a mid range sniper there. So like this team just it's so different because they have their stars. They have Ty Ty Washington, who is obviously their their top NBA guy right now that's playing. I know Shaden obviously would be there, but not playing. Uh, but then you have a player of the year candidate in Oscar Sheboy, who's not even showing up on mock draft boards. Uh, I mean, that's a guy that is obviously they they released the Oscar worthy campaign to to get him national player of the year this morning, but he's not even showing up on draft boards. So I feel like the NBA level talent isn't there on this roster, but the collective pieces might be his most pieced together roster that he's had because they they all kind of feed off of one another, whether it be Kellen Grady stretching the floor, uh, Keon Brooks adding some versatility and some and some four stretch there at the the four position and can shoot that mid-range jumper. He, he can take out or step out and take a three-pointer, uh, can do some stuff on the glass. You've got the, the guards with what they do. You've got the bench pieces. I just think that this one is pieced together significantly different than any other Kentucky team. And honestly, I I don't really have one that, that stands out. But like I said, before the season started, it would have been the 2011 team. And that was obviously when Frederick was factored in. And I was still thinking that Dante would play extended minutes just because of the, uh, the shooting aspect. That team was such a good shooting team. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um. John says, does Collins carve out a consistent role going forward, or was this just a matchup-based outlier? You would like to think that, that Damian Collins could, could give you maybe seven, eight minutes a game at times. I don't think that's always going to be the case, though, when you get against some of these teams very physical and, uh, and kind of take away some of the things that Alabama allowed the other day. So I think this will be more of a matchup-based outlier, honestly. But honestly, a, th- a thing where you can look and say, all right, if you need him for a stretch, give him an opportunity. Now the question will be tonight, when they go to the bench at that five spot, will it be Lance Ware early? Will it be Damian Collins? Will he follow the same thing and play Ware first? And then look at Damian. I do think that Damian deserves an opportunity tonight at South Carolina to see if he can give you consistent performances and uh, and do some things. Look, Damian Collins changes the way they do things at the five spot. He plays over the top while Oscar plays through. Oscar will go right through your chest and be physical. I, I know he'll he'll put a dunk in here or there, but he's not going to catch lobs the way Damian Collins can. Damian Collins gives them the option to play over the top 
Oscar gives them the option to play low and play through uh, body. So I would love to see uh, Damian get an opportunity and, and see what he can do tonight. Making sure I haven't missed any in replies to the tweet. Uh, right here, Nick says, what team poses the best threat to a healthy Kentucky team and why? Hmm, that's a good question. There, I don't think that there's many out there that, that really do. Uh, obviously, a team that has a really good four-man that is very skilled, I, I think, is definitely a challenge. Uh, just because of the things that 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 matchup presents. If Jacob Toppin has to be the guy that, that's guarding that position for a lot of minutes, and then you lose Keon Brooks on the floor and what he does mid-range game and offensively, I think I think if Kentucky played Duke right now, I think Kentucky would win. I definitely think it would be a different game than what it was in Madison Square Garden. I think they would have a game plan for Trevor Kills now. I mean, you've kind of seen – him not live up to what he did that night against Kentucky. Uh, Tata Washington was not ready. You you had pieces there that roles had not been identified yet. Kellen Grady, definitely not what he is now. Oscar Sheboy was a force on the glass, but is a significantly better low post scorer now. Left shoulder, right shoulder scorer. Just kind of bothersome by length. Now, anyone that has a matchup like Paolo Bencaro, that presents a difficult task for Kentucky. A Jabari Smith at Auburn. I think a Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga. So I, I would throw Gonzaga in there is, is that matchup that would be hard. I mean, Gonzaga efficient in Ken Palm when you pull up uh, their number two offensively, number 10 defense. That's a tough matchup uh, for Gonzaga. I want to watch a lot more Arizona tape, and I want to see them uh, when they get in that NCAA tournament and, and their matchups. I think that's a team when you look at Ken Palm that thinks that honestly would probably be a trendy pick for a final four maybe a national championship team as well but I would th I would throw Gonzaga in there because of that matchup with Chet Holmgren you got Drew Timmy there and uh, I believe that would be a team that at 100 percent you know could give Kentucky some trouble but look I, I think that this Kentucky team is by far honestly one of the two or three teams that should be the favorite to win the national championship and it's because of the efficiency in Ken Palm and I'll share this, they're up to number two in Kim Palm overall, just behind Gonzaga, fifth in offensive efficiency and 11th in defensive efficiency. There's only been three teams in the Kim Palm era at Kentucky to finish in the top 10 in both offensive efficiency and adjusted defense. Now, that would have been the 2003 Kentucky team. They finished number one in Kim Palm, fifth in offense, fourth in defense. Uh, everybody remembers that Tubby Smith team. And then you've got to go to 2011, 2012, Kentucky won the national championship, number two in offense, number seven in defense. And then the 38 and one Kentucky team finished number one in Ken Palm, sixth in offense, first in defense. So if Kentucky can climb and get that defensive efficiency into the top 10, you have to like where this team is headed historically. One won the national championship. Another team had a 26 game win streak, lost to Marquette and Dwayne Wade in the Elite Eight. Uh, and then you had the the team in 2015, obviously, that went 38 and one. So the metrics really think that this is an elite Kentucky team. And I think so as well. I think I had one more question in uh, DMs here. I want to make sure that I get to. And if I miss any, I'll be sure to get to them. Uh, Austin said, is there scoop that Sharp fam is wanting shade to not play so he can jet for the NBA? Or do we think the buzz just got too big and both Cal and family just wanted to shut it down? Still hoping for a Hami route. I did think that once it got to this point and he, and he didn't play last week against Vanderbilt, 
it, you were kind of figuring out a, a scenario where where does he play? Where do you break this chemistry up? Because look, when you had a when you had another piece in there, it definitely could throw things off because you've got Mint starting to play well. You've got Grady doing his thing, Sabir and Tata. Uh, kind of alternating possessions there at the one and, and then at the two with Tata playing off the ball. You got Keon doing his thing. It it just felt like that the chemistry is kind of established. They're pushing their way to a one seed. I don't really know on the family dynamic. I know the family and and uh, people involved in his camp have been saying all along that Shaden will be at Kentucky next season. And then the plan was to, to get him here, get him acclimated and uh, going through practice. So I'm not really sure on that, but I, I do think that something needed to be said because if Cal, if he wasn't going to play, you couldn't have had the we want Shaden chance, the, the speculation, okay, is this the game that he plays? Because, look, one, once they get through tonight, uh, you got Florida at Rupp Arena, you go to Tennessee, you're, you're starting to get to the stretch run here. He, you weren't going to break in uh, a new player, uh, an inexperienced player, uh, this late in the season and, and barreling down into March Madness. It just, to me, it just did not make sense. Uh, I think that covers all the mailbag questions. Uh, Kentucky tonight on the road at South Carolina, a place Kentucky hasn't won since I believe 2016, uh, the game where John Calipari got ejected and Tyler Ewis and Jamal Murray, they ended up winning a, in a, a route at Colonial Life Arena. I'm going to, I'm going to say Kentucky wins this game. Mm, I'm going to say they win by 18. We'll say Kentucky on the road by 18 tonight. They they get to 20 wins, improve to 20 and four, be nine and two in the SEC. And uh, don't be surprised here in a few days, Kentucky beats Florida. Some more crazy happens around college basketball. Uh, don't be shocked if you see them on one one seed line projections the way that they're, excuse me, the way that they're playing, and the metrics number four in the net, number two in Ken Palm, number five in the AP. Everything points toward this being a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and the, the thing that backs it up is definitely Ken Palm. When, when you see a team rated this highly in adjusted offense and adjusted defense, they're usually right there at the end of the year with, in the conversation for a chance to win a national championship. I know the metrics absolutely hated the uh, 2020 Kentucky team, a team that a lot of people thought would have made a run had the NCAA tournament been played, but that team was 24th in adjusted offense and 52nd in adjusted defense, 29th overall in uh, Ken Palm. And then uh, last year's team, obviously, uh, not very good. But this is the best team, obviously, since 19. Eight in Ken Palm that season, 14th in offense, eighth in adjusted defense. Uh, that was the team that lost to Auburn in the Elite Eight in overtime. But this team is certainly uh, one of the better teams in college basketball when you look at numbers. And that number 11 adjusted defense, I thought that they would kind of top out somewhere around 15. Uh, but they've had some really, really good defensive performances in recent weeks that tells me that this team could climb to that top 10 and settle in as uh, one of the few teams in college basketball right now that is ranked in the top 10 in both categories. Actually, if you look at it, Gonzaga's two in offense, 10th in defense, Arizona 11th in offense, 8th in adjusted D, Houston 8th in offense, 12th in defense, uh, Baylor 9th in offense, 17th in defense. I'm trying to see if there's anyone that's going to push to get top 10 in both outside of Gonzaga, and then Kentucky's right there. Uh, it looks like Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona have the best chance, and then Houston if that defense keeps climbing for them. So uh, those are your teams to pay attention to, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, some big games in the SEC this week. I know Auburn is at Arkansas. 
as well. Uh, could Auburn lose their first SEC game? I know they're on a long winning streak. That remains to be seen. We'll, uh, we'll be back to talk about all of that on Kentucky Daily. I'm going to try to make sure that Derek joins me for a post-game episode or at least an episode here in a day or so. If not, I'll be sure to get my thoughts up tonight on Kentucky, South Carolina. As always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations. You got Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky, where you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 